confess that they find it hard to hear what God is saying to them. And just because of that um, exalted position they're in doesn't necessarily mean they have a hotline to God or a clear knowledge of the way to proceed. And I don't want to put any spoilers in for you, but just to tell you a little of how that hearing God's voice plays out in the movie. Um, Jorge Bergoglio, who's later on Pope Francis, was actually based as Cardinal Archbishop in Argentina. But he was very much a man of the people, and he decided he wanted to retire and go back to parish ministry to be closer to the people. And so he wrote to Pope Benedict, uh, who promptly refused his resignation. So he decided he's going to get on a plane and go to Rome to see Pope Benedict himself. And the film then plays out with the conversations between the two of them as they discuss and argue, and they find they disagree about just about everything. And they start off with a very deep suspicion of each other, but then gradually get each other's measure and talk freely to each other, to the extent of even hearing each other's deepest thoughts and confessions. And that is where Pope Benedict confesses, you know, the hardest thing is to listen, to hear his voice, God's voice. And eventually he says to Jorge Bergoglio, you know, I actually think God has sent you to me to hear his voice speaking through you. And the result, well, it's not actually Jorge Bergoglio who resigns in Argentina, but rather Pope Benedict, who, in, as we know, in February 2013, resigned or abdicated in a move which shot uh, the Catholic world. And then a month later, uh, Jorge Bergoglio, the Archbishop of Argentina, is elected as the new Pope Francis and moved from Argentina to Rome. And the rest is history. Now, that may or may not have been how things actually happened in, in history. We don't know. But there's much to think about when Pope Benedict says he feels that he has heard from God and found his direction the way he should go from one of his own subordinate cardinals and from someone who actually deeply challenged his faith and his lifestyle and someone who made him deeply uncomfortable. It wasn't someone who just said yes to him all the time and agreed with him. And I think that shows the humility and the greatness of both men. And there's that same humility in our gospel reading today when John the Baptist, did you see him there looking at Jesus? And when he willingly steps back from the limelight and acknowledges that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the one who will bring salvation to God's people. And even more amazing, John the Baptist puts his money where his mouth is and encourages his own followers his own disciples, because John the Baptist also had disciples, and says, you go and follow Jesus. Not me anymore. You go and follow Jesus. And I think that takes real humility, doesn't it, and real grace to know your place, what your own ministry is, and what it is not, and to know when the time is to let go of it and to pass it on to others. John the Baptist said, he must become greater I must become less. And so Andrew and that other disciple follow Jesus. They're intrigued. They almost creep up behind him. And who is this person who John has pointed them to? What does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world? And I love the way Jesus turns around, almost spins around, and puts them straight on the spot and says, what are you looking for? Wow. Wow. What a question is that? What are you looking for? 
and they sort of stumble out a reply, um, Rabbi, um, teacher, um, where are you staying? And Jesus says to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. Now, you might think that those words are just really straightforward, um, the beginning of a friendship, of a relationship. But actually, there's a, a word there that John uses here and throughout his gospel, and it's key. And it's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. Sounds a bit like something a cat would say, actually. Uh, but it means to stay or to live or to dwell or to abide. And that word meno actually appears more than 40 times in John's gospel. And it's used already. Last week we heard about Jesus' baptism. John sees the Holy Spirit descend from heaven on Jesus like a dove, and it remains on him. That's the word. Uh, it stays with Jesus. The Spirit stays with Jesus. Jesus lives in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit lives with Jesus. And so when those two disciples ask Jesus, where are you staying? They're actually asking more than they know. Yes, they want to know where he's living and what building, what house, if you like. But whether they glimpse it or not, they're asking something deeper. Where is Jesus' eternally abiding home? Where does he make his life as home? And the answer is he's living in God and living in the Spirit. And did you notice that Jesus doesn't actually reply to the two disciples' question? He doesn't say, well, actually, I'm staying in Lake Street or Galilee Boulevard or whatever. Regardless of where Jesus is actually spending the night, Jesus' most important dwelling place is in the Spirit of God, God in him and he in God. And so when Jesus says to the disciples, come and see, it's more than come and see where I park my sleeping bag. It's come and spend time with me. Do life with me. Learn from me the source of my being and my life and my power and my ministry. My life is in God and in God as the Son of God. And so the disciples accept that exciting but challenging invitation. They had no idea where it would lead. And they remained with Jesus that day. It's the same word. They stayed with Jesus, dwelt with Jesus, lived with Jesus, abided, abode, whatever, with Jesus. And they gradually discovered that in doing that, they were living in and with God. And of course, it took them over three years, a long journey, to discover that as Jesus gradually revealed himself to them as the Messiah, and to believe that he was indeed the Lamb of God who would sacrifice his life, lay it down willingly to take away the sins of the world. That would take them three years to learn that that mission of Jesus would involve suffering and death, and only then the promise of new life, unconquerable by death. Perhaps one of the greatest pictures of this whole idea in John's Gospel is in chapter 15, and it's one you'll know well, about the vine, where Jesus says, abide in the vine. I am the vine. I am the grapevine, if you like. You're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But without me, you can do absolutely nothing. But if you stay attached to the vine grafted into the vine, my lifeblood will flow through you, giving you the power to serve and to bear fruit. 
to live in the life and power of God. Uh, we might say nowadays to be plugged in to that source and to the mains of the love and power of God. By being part of that vine, we participate in the life that courses through God and then overflows out to us and spreads out from us. And so I think January is a good time. I've been doing a bit of gardening at my place. Don't know if you have been. Uh, I don't know if you've got a vine at your place and you might be uh, thinking about your vine and you know what time of the year it needs pruning and when the grapes come. But January is a good time to do that spiritual checkup too. Am I abiding in the vine as I come into this new year with God? Am I dwelling in Jesus and him with us? So Jesus says to us disciples as we begin a new year, come and see, come and listen to my voice. Hear me calling you. Hear me calling you beloved as Jesus at his baptism. Hear me calling you disciple just as those first disciples did. Come and live in me as I live in you. Some questions just to take away with us. Whose voices are we listening to in our day? There are so many voices in our world. How do we listen to the voice of God in the middle of all those voices? Who has helped you to hear more clearly the voice of God, to find your way, to follow the call of God in your life? And it might not be someone you expect. Remember those two popes, they were very different and they never expected probably to hear God speaking through the other one. And is that something that you can do for someone else this year? Be that person to bounce things off with, for someone else to come to you and say, I'm just really trying to see where I'm heading this year. Perhaps a younger person, but not always. Someone who you can listen to and Give your attention to someone uh, in so many voices to be just a quiet listener. The uh, Chinese character for listen has four bits to it. It has an ear, it has an eye, it has a heart, and it has a line for undivided attention. Just think about that. As we listen today for God's call to us and as we listen to others, may we bring our ears our eyes, our hearts, and our undivided attention. And sometimes that involves getting off our phones, doesn't it? And just putting those voices aside. May that listening lead us to respond wholeheartedly to Jesus. When he says to us again, come and see, may we come and abide, stay with Jesus, live in Jesus. A prayer to end. Jesus, you are our friend and brother. May we come to know you more clearly, to hear you, to love you more dearly, and to follow you more nearly, day by day. Amen.